my title for today is, Is the Gospel Sufficient? Is the Gospel Sufficient? Romans 1.16 reads, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And so as I begin this devotion, I want to ask a very simple question. And that question is, is the gospel sufficient? Is the gospel enough? Now I'm going to venture to say that most of you are probably answering that question right now. Yes, it is. The gospel is enough. But in order to answer this accurately, we need to really define what the gospel is and then make a determination if it is sufficient. What is the gospel? Well, you guys all know it's the good news, right? It's the euangelion, right? Specifically, it's it's God's good news. And the gospel includes the entire revealed word of God. It's not limited simply to how a person becomes saved. To elaborate a little bit more on this, I have defined the gospel as the declaration and the demonstration of God's redeeming grace and power. Now, let me break that down for you. The gospel uh, contains the declaration of God. God's glory, God's grace revealed through Jesus Christ, revealed through the Holy Scriptures. It's there where we read of God's mercy, justice, forgiveness, wrath, sovereignty, supremacy, and sufficiency over all his creation. So the gospel is a declaration. But in addition to a declaration, the gospel is a demonstration And it's a demonstration of God's power. I'm sure you've heard this when preached on Romans 1.16, right? The word power there is dunamis. And a lot of times preachers make what's called a root word fallacy. And they say, well, dunamis means dynamite. But dunamis does not mean dynamite. Dunamis refers to power. And specifically, it refers to God's enabling power, God's inherent power. So the gospel is a demonstration of God's power. And the gospel is demonstrated through the changed lives of sinners being converted and conformed into the image and the likeness of Christ. Believers are saved from the penalty of sin. Believers are saved from the power of sin, and praise God, a day is coming when all believers will be saved from the presence of sin. And we thank God for that. It is the gospel that demonstrates God's power to do this, so that all the glory may be to God. So the gospel is both a declaration and a demonstration of God's redeeming grace and power. And it is this gospel, by the way, that Paul here in Romans 1.16 was not ashamed of. Paul knew that the whole revealed counsel of God is shown in the proclamation of the gospel, God's word, and it was the gospel that Paul was willing 
to suffer and ultimately give his life for. For Paul knew that every word was God-breathed and that the gospel is worth living for and the gospel is worth dying for. So I go back to my original premise here. Is the gospel sufficient? Is the gospel enough? When I use the term sufficient, I'm speaking in the terms that Paul uses it in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, when the Lord told him, my grace is sufficient for thee. And that word sufficient means to be possessed of unfailing strength. It is suffice. It is strong. It will defend. It will ward off. And within the context of this meaning, our question becomes again, is the gospel sufficient? Now, you might say sufficient for what? And my reply is for everything in life. Specifically, is the gospel sufficient for everything in life? Can we trust the gospel to be more than enough for us? Or do we need to pursue something else, something new, something unique? Do I need some extra non-biblical, mystical experience to accompany the gospel? Is it the gospel plus great Christian music? Is the gospel more than enough when we face difficult times? Do we need the gospel plus the wisdom of man and atheistic philosophies? Is the gospel enough to solve some of what the world defines as complex questions? When the gospel speaks of homosexuality as a sin and transgenderism as a sin, is the gospel sufficient in its definition of gender and sexuality? Is the gospel enough when it defines sins such as racism, abuse, abortion, drug addiction, alcoholism, false religion, and more. Is the gospel enough to save those lost in such sins? Or do we need to consider other non-biblical answers to help solve these problems? Is the gospel enough regarding creation? Is the gospel enough when it teaches that God spoke the world into existence. Out of nothing, he created all there is. That he formed and fashioned man and woman. That all there is was created through Jesus Christ. Is the gospel enough to settle our curiosity? Is the gospel enough when it comes to God's saving grace? That God needs no assistance from human beings to bring about salvation? That God is the sovereign agent in salvation? That he draws sinners and he effectually calls sinners to himself? And that believers' names were written in the Lamb's book of life before the foundations of the world? Or do we need a more rational, man-satisfying explanation to our peas, our dull and sinful hearts. I've asked a lot of questions to consider here, primarily because I see more and more Christians saying the gospel is not sufficient for them as they look for man and manly wisdom for answers. You know, 
Paul faced this issue when he wrote to the church at Galatia. Much to his disappointment, he had learned the church was abandoning the true gospel for a different one. Look at Galatians 1, 6 through 9. Paul writes to the church, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. There's an interesting adjective Paul uses there, another. It's another gospel, the adjective being another. And it simply means one not of the same nature or form. Paul's adjective describes an altered gospel. And some false teachers, as we know, entered the church and changed the gospel. They were Judaizers. They sought to integrate the works and the law of Moses in with the glorious gospel of justification by faith. They looked at the gospel as Christ plus works, Christ plus something. Paul aggressively defends the gospel against the infiltration of another truth. He calls these folks those who pervert the gospel of Christ. And he goes on to say that whether they, or even if an angel came and preached another gospel than the one he has preached, let him be accursed. And I'm pretty sure you know that's an anathema. But that literally means let them be damned. Let them be damned. Church, in these last days, there are many false teachers, many false teachers that are abounding, speaking half-truths, preaching another gospel. It's Christ plus something, Christ plus another experience, Christ plus works. And whether it is works, whether it is experience, whether it is signs and wonders or anything else, it is another gospel. And this deception is so pervasive, and it has infiltrated our churches. Listen, we must reject anything that involves Christ plus something else. The integration of popular and atheistic psychologies and philosophies, secularism, the lack of doctrine, word of faith theology, social justice, and more are becoming part of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. James, in James 1.19, writes this, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And I like this swift to hear, crave sound teaching of the word of God. Praise God for sermon audio. Praise God for the repository of sound preachers and sound teachers. And we must crave this. We must crave the word of God in its purity. James says, be slow to speak. Do not be flippant with your words. God's word is to have a a weightiness associated with it. It is to have a gravitas associated with it. 
We need to get the word of God right before we speak the word of God. We need to be people of biblical and spiritual discernment filled with the gospel of grace. The gospel tells us for the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow. And I love this. And is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Hebrews 4.12. Church, we can have confidence that our gospel is more than sufficient. Our gospel will not fail in revealing God and the way of salvation to all people. And we hold that the gospel is more than sufficient for all matters of life. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, again, probably not new to many of you. All scripture is given my inspiration of God. It is God-breathed and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect and thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Church, hold firm in the gospel of truth. We are being tried today. The enemy is chipping away, and the enemy has infiltrated the church. Tares are among the wheat. And so it is incumbent on us to guard every word. For this gospel is, it is the power of God unto salvation. For this gospel is more than sufficient and more than enough for the complexities of life. So in closing, I ask again, is the gospel sufficient? Is the gospel more than enough for every aspect of our lives? And I submit to you today that it is. And if we remain faithful to the gospel, then God will grant that thy servants may speak thy word with all boldness and the glory of the Lord will fill the earth. Amen.